So before we get started, I wanted to tell everyone about our new partners, RIS and Cal. You know, they were founded in 2019 by a nurse and a paramedic who wanted to teach their kids about charity, volunteering, and entrepreneurship. Yeah, and right now, portions of their sales are going to the American Red Cross to purchase N95 masks for doctors and nurses who are on the front lines of this COVID-19 pandemic. You know, you're probably asking, what do they sell? Their most popular product is their Frills cell phone accessory line. Basically, these are wireless earbuds, which are a perfect way to listen to your favorite podcast, Beers and Ears. You know, when I got mine, I opened it up and it immediately recognized it on my phone. I used them the entire time I did my spring yard work the other day. Yeah, I just started running and I I took them on a run and they worked fantastic. So listeners of Beers and Ears are getting some special savings. If you go to fourfrills.com slash shop, that is the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S, and at checkout, you enter the coupon code EARS, that is E-A-R-S, you'll get 15% off your order. And also, if you purchase a new set of earbuds, you're going to get a free silicone accessory case and free shipping. We'll put the link in the description of this podcast. And don't forget to use that promo code E-A-R-S. Let's get started with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my Matt. Welcome, everybody. And I'm excited that you guys are here with us today. Um, you know, Matt, our podcast is starting to grow quite a bit. And you and I were just talking a couple moments ago. We're officially international. What's going on? Yes. So our podcasting site has analytics that we can look at. And we have one listener in Italy. So that's very <laughs> exciting. That is very exciting. I, I think it's great. You know, so thanks everyone for taking the time to share the episode with people and um, let people know that we're out there uh, and please continue to do so. Please continue to get online, rate us, review us and share us with your friends and family. So Matt, uh, let's crack open a beer real quick. Okay, here we go. Perfect. And let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. So as you guys know, we started a segment a little while back called Convince Me, where one of us attempts to convince the other person of a Disney hot take. The first week, uh, Matt, you tried to convince me that The Incredibles was a top three Pixar movie. You were not very successful. I, 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 I think you did a good job um, in terms of laying out the evidence, but at the end of it, I was not convinced, correct? So Casey, yes. So uh, I was not necessarily banking on you being convinced. Mickey Mouse himself could walk into your house and go, oh, Casey, Incredibles is the top three Pixar movie, and you would not be convinced. I don't know. I mean, you, you did a good job. Well, either way, uh, I, I was not convinced. It's just not one of my favorite movies. And then last week, um, I attempted to convince you that Splash Mountain was the number one attraction at Walt Disney World, top three in all, I'm sorry, number one attraction in the Magic Kingdom, top three in all of Walt Disney World. And it sounds like I didn't have to do much convincing at all. You already agreed with me. Not at all. That ride is fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Well, we have arrived at yet another Convince Me episode. This time around, you are attempting to convince me. As has been the case before, I have no idea whatsoever. You have kept this top secret from me. So, Matt, I relinquish the show to you. Convince me, my friend. Okay, I think I actually have a shot this time. Oh, boy. All right. I, so I'm going to give you the prompt, and then I have to do a couple of caveats to make sure that 
you and the listeners understand my parameters. All right. So to date, Cinderella is the best live action re-adaptation that Disney has made. So my two parameters are one, I, I, the to date, because I'm going to reveal our recording date to our listeners. It is March 31st, 2020. We don't know what is happening with Mulan at this point. And so if Disney releases it in a couple weeks and this episode comes out and you're like, oh, what about Mulan? At the time of recording, Mulan has not come out yet. So just letting everybody know. And these are only live action re-adaptations. So this does not include things like Mary Poppins, Pirates of the Caribbean. We are just talking about adaptations of animated Disney movies. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I'll start with a, uh, one point of data, and that is Rotten Tomatoes. And now I understand that Rotten Tomatoes is not your end-all be-all for what makes a good film or a bad film because there are bad films with good ratings and good films with bad ratings. But I think it does give us a point of data. So Rotten Tomatoes has Cinderella, the live-action one, at an 84% with only The Jungle Book beating it out at 94%. Okay. Everything else. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everything else isn't really close. The closest one is Beauty and the Beast at 71%. And the rest of them are kind of in the fifties or sixties. Where does it put Maleficent? Maleficent is in like the forties. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was not yeah. a fan of the original Maleficent. Maleficent two was much better, but Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah, they've they've got that one in the forties, which again I think is where what I actually about, enjoyed that Aladdin? movie. Even Aladdin's not up there. Aladdin is still in that like kind of mid okay range, so to speak. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So take that what you what you want with it, but I I think that the critics and the fans say this is a really good movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my second point. Every single character in that movie is added to, which cannot be said for a lot of the other live-action remakes. You get a whole backstory on Cinderella, who you find out is actually named Ella, and her dad and her mom, and then when her mom dies, how Lady Tremaine came into her family and the stepsisters and everything. Lady Tremaine is given a whole another arc, which I'll get into more in a later point. You've got the prince is no longer just like, hey, it's an attractive guy that she meets at a dance, and then they get married. Woohoo! Like, you actually get some, no, this is a prince who's learning his craft and trying to figure out how to run a kingdom and all this other stuff. And so you really get a more richness of the story. Along those same lines, they also add other story elements, which add a richness to the story. They add the character of the Grand Duke and his whole, like, manipulative... uh, His intentions, his motivations... Yes, his, his yeah. intentions, his motivations, and to try to run the kingdom. And that's a really interesting side plot. The, the whole mantra of the film is have courage and be kind. And you mm-hmm. see this throughout the, throughout the film. And it's really a great mantra and fits mm-hmm. in so well to the story that the original didn't really do, even though it's there if you look for it. So I also talked about how every character was added to. And I think this is not any more obvious than Lady Tremaine. 
they did an absolutely fantastic job with her. Isn't that, in the um, original played by that's Kate Blanchett, right? Yes, played by Kate Blanchett. Okay. And I think she, I think she acts it well as well. I agree. In the original, Lady Tremaine is just kind of this mean old woman. You don't really get where she came from. You don't really get why she's mean. Honestly, she's just like a crotchety old woman that decided, hey, I'm going to be mean to this pretty girl that lives in my house. It, it really not, you don't get anything else besides that. Whereas with this Lady Tremaine, you get her motivations. She wants to be a part of the higher upper class. She wants to be in royalty. She wants to be known as this high member of society. And she is cunning about it. She makes this deal with the Grand Duke after he over after she overhears his plan to marry off the prince to this other princess and says, well, I'll make sure that he doesn't find Cinderella if you give me and my daughters places in the court. And that just is so much more compelling of a villain than, yeah, she's a crotchety old woman that just doesn't like Cinderella. It's just so much more. You, st- you still with me? I am totally with you, yes. Okay, fantastic. Got two more points. All right. This movie has so much of the Disney magic in it. There's so many points of it where you just go, wow. One one of the points that always sticks out to me is when she is being uh, done up by the fairy godmother and she spins and the blue dress just flows down magically. You're just like, whoa, you are immersed in that pure Disney magic. And I think that so many of the other live action remakes are trying to go so live action and so realistic that you're losing out on some of like the magic and the fun because they're trying to make it like, look, this is realistic. And finally, it's a movie that I would absolutely watch again. When I'm in the mood to watch Beauty and the Beast, I'll be honest, I'm not going to live action Beauty and the Beast. I'm going back to the animated one. Same thing with Aladdin. I I think if I'm ever in the mood to watch Aladdin, I don't think I'm like, oh, you know what I want to watch? The live action version. I think the only thing in the live action version of Aladdin that I'm like, I want to watch that again is that new song Speechless that they put in. But I don't need to watch the entire movie to have that. I'll just throw it up on my favorite music streaming platform and just listen to it. It's almost like you you watch Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast the first time. Because you were you're you're interested to see whether or not they they were able to do the animated movie justice, and after that you don't really have a need to because you've still got the animated movie. Where That's, this one you're saying is you actually can watch this one for the live action sake. Exactly. If I'm in the mood for Cinderella, and this is not to say that the animated original 1950 movie is bad in any way. I enjoy watching that movie as well. But if I'm in the mood for watching Cinderella. I don't think I'm, it's a choice. It's a choice that I have to make of like, who do I want to watch the animated one or do I want to watch the live action one? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. And I mentioned, you know, Jungle Book beating out Cinderella in terms of Rotten Tomato scores. And I actually think that the Jungle Book is, is in the top three of live action Disney adaptations. But I think it's that magic element where this one beats it out. I think Jungle Book is a absolutely gorgeous movie from a 
animation and even the acting of that kid standpoint was really, 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 really well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's again, that whole, they're trying to make it realistic. And I understand like talking animals are like, wait a minute, Matt, that's not realistic, but it, it just is missing some of that Disney magic that I think Cinderella captures so much. Hmm. So for these reasons, I think that Cinderella is the best live action readaptation that Disney has made to date. Casey, have I convinced you? Yes, you have convinced me, sir. Um, here And here's why. I think I'm going to strengthen some of your arguments right now. You know, Cinderella is one of those movies where I saw it in the theater. I saw it with friends. And it's a great movie. And here, here's something that's unusual for many of the listeners probably listening. I saw the live action Cinderella before I ever saw the animated Cinderella. I've always known the story of Cinderella. I mean, you can't be a Disney fan without knowing the story of Cinderella, but I have seen every single, you know, adaptation of Cinderella. You can imagine, be it a Cinderella story, you know, the one with Drew Barrymore, uh, the There's one with so many of there, them out there. there. Are, um, the, the one with, I think Brandy and I think Whoopi Goldberg was in that one. Maybe oh, I forgot um, about that one. Yeah. Oh, was man, that called yes. Ella, Ella? Was that Ella enchanted? I, I can't no, remember. Which that, one. That was a made-for-TV one, I think. But but I, I've seen every adaptation out there. And of all the adaptations, my favorite one was the Drew Barrymore one for many of the reasons that you laid out about the character development in this one. I agree with you about the character development of Lady Tremaine, about the Duke, about the Prince, and even about Cinderella and and understanding where she got her nickname from, right? And I agree with you that, that, you know, Kate Blanchett's Lady Tremaine was a villain that you just loved to hate. And you were so excited to watch, watch what happened. And it's funny because, because I had that unique experience of not seeing the animated version of Cinderella first, when I went back and watched the animated version of Cinderella, not much more than a month ago at this point, I remember thinking how vacant it really was. Remember thinking how little there was in the character development. Why was Lady Tremaine so mean? Why were the stepsisters so mean? Oh my goodness, the mice play such a huge part in the animated movie. I had no idea because they don't play as big of a part in the live action. I mean, they're there, but oh my gosh, like they're like half the movie of the animated version. And are we going and let, holy me, and let me ask you this, Casey. So be since you did that, is were the mice something that you were like, oh man, I I, I kind of wish they would have worked more of that into the live action or did that feel like a good omission from the live action movie? It was very much a good omission. In fact, I was kind of annoyed by the mice a little bit in the animated movie. Like I like Gus Gus. Don't get me wrong. I like Jacques. I, I liked the, you know, Cinderella, Cinderella. You know, I, I liked that, but that whole scene um, when they're trying to escape Lucifer, it, I mean, to the point that I was like, this is just like, I, I kind of got bored a little bit with that. I was like, okay, I want to get back to the plot where I felt with the live action movie, everything they included in that helped advance the plot point. So I, I would agree with you. And here's what I'll also say. It doesn't surprise me that it has a higher rating per se than most of the other live actions. I'm a little shocked about Maleficent because I know Maleficent was really critically acclaimed, but I know that Beauty and the Beast 
was was universally panned in a lot of cases. Like the critics loved it, but the audience not so much. And and a lot of that had to do with the actress who played her, who whose name is escaping me. I just know her as Hermione. Uh, Emma Watson. You know, the actress who, yeah, Emma Watson. Mainly that you know her scene was horrible in in that movie. Um, I remember the Beast solo in the live action movie was my least favorite part. I was bored out of my mind. I feel that Beauty and the Beast was victim of all right, we've started these live actions, so now we're going to try to kick it up a notch to a degree that maybe the audience did not want. Um, I was really nervous about Aladdin. I will say that Aladdin is a great live action movie. Will Smith stole the show as the genie, and uh, the, the actress who played Jasmine stole the show there. Aladdin was probably the weakest character. The thing that disappointed me most about Aladdin was Jafar that he didn't get he wasn't more maniacal that he wasn't more that crazy Jafar you got from the animated and that goes back to your point of I think they were trying to make it to hey this is live action right I I think they didn't take them I don't think they were taking themselves too seriously with Cinderella I think they they wanted to make it magical for a generation you know Cinderella's old I mean Cinderella's 1950s right so you know, mm-hmm. if you think about all the other live actions other than Maleficent, right? If you think about Aladdin, you think about Beauty and the Beast, you think about Lion King, they were trying to do live actions of animated Renaissance era movies that frankly put millennials and extras grew up on and are the, the core of their customer base. And the customers said, I don't want this. In terms of Beauty and the Beast, too, that movie was nominated for Best Picture. So it wasn't like it was a ho hum bad movie. Like, that was a fantastic movie. And with Aladdin, you're also taking one of the great voice acting performances of all time, in my opinion, and trying to say, all right, you're not going to get that in this other film. And I, I just think those yeah. those two kind of caused, those two reasons kind of caused it to fall flat a little bit. When you think about some of Disney's number one rated animated movies of all time, three of the ones that come to mind are Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and Lion King. I, I, you can't debate that. Though Those three come to mind are some of the highest rated, most beloved animated movies that Disney has ever produced. More so than Cinderella, more so than Sleeping Beauty. People love those movies, don't get me wrong, but the, those three that I just gave you are what literally saved the studio. And of course, throw in Little Mermaid there as well, right? So those saved yeah. the studio. That was the Renaissance era. And so what Disney did is they said, all right, we're going to capitalize on that. We're going we're gonna to capitalize on our live action studios, and now we're going to remake those. And so people went in with this high expectation of how can you beat perfection? And that's what I, know, that's what I went in with. I went in with Aladdin, and I had some of the highest expectations out there. And I walked out and said, that was a great movie. Did it beat the animated classic? No, but it was a great movie, Beauty and the Beast all-star movie going for the live action, you know, is it a great movie? Yes. Did it beat the animated classic? No. I think the Lion King, same thing. In fact, the Lion King, when I walked out of there, there were parts where I said, that was awesome. Like, you know, Timon, the live action Timon, in my opinion, beats out animated Timon any day of the week. But then you look at the acting, quote unquote, that these animated characters, you know, these live action animated characters from from Lion King had, and they looked stiff. They looked rigid. They didn't look like they were real. I think the biggest thing with Lion King for me was it lost that. I'm going to go back to this. The magic. 
you watch I Just Can't Wait to Be King in the animated one, and there's these cool colors and all this other stuff, and you watch in the live action, they're just, like, running around. It's like, this isn't fun. This isn't engaging. Like, this isn't... And ultimately, the elephant in the room here is these live action adaptations are less about, hey, we're hoping this movie does really well, and more about merchandising. How much Lion King stuff did we sell at the Disney store last year because of the movie coming out? And not live action stuff, classic Lion King stuff. We sold a ton of it. And, and, and I, and I want to make sure we clarify here. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a, there's a subsect of, of Disney fans out there who, and maybe even not so Disney fans, who criticize the Walt Disney Company whenever they make money. Folks, if it isn't news to you, they are a profit-making company. That is what they do. They make money. That, and that, that goes back to when Walt was in charge. So this is not anything new. You can't, Disney's not about, you know, you know not about charity. Not, you know, they're a lot about community, things like that. But at the end of the day, they're here to make money. So I completely agree with you that these, in a lot of ways, were meant to be about merchandising, bringing it back into the forefront of people's minds. That is perfectly acceptable. I think the reason why Cinderella is able to rise to the top is because it's far enough removed away from people's mindset in the mainstream, yet when people think about Cinderella, it is distinctly Disney. It is distinctly Disney. And so the filmmakers, the director, the producer, they were able to, like you said, capitalize on the backstories of the of the side character, of the main character, give you more in-depth, do things that maybe Walt couldn't do at the time because he was focused on the technology of animation and able to tell a compelling story. One more thing I want to add to this too, Matt. I think one of the other reasons why you can say Cinderella is better live action than at least the last three is because the last three tried to literally go shot for shot, shot for shot on the re- on the remake. They tried to match the animated classics. When Lion King was at, darn near like shot for it shot. Remake. Literally was. It was a shot for shot remake. Aladdin, for the most part, I don't want to say shot for shot, but it pretty closely followed the same storyline. It, with the exception of again Jasmine's solo and kind of her kind of stepping up to be the heroine of the story, which I thought was awesome. And then of course you go back to Beauty and the Beast. I think Beauty and the Beast did at least a little bit better of a job of explaining what happened to Belle's mom. You know, the the Beast, again, as much as I hated the solo, I you know, I know why it got put in there. But for the most part, they tried to retell the same story with very little adaptation and modern interpretation out of fear that there would be part of the Disney fan base to say it steered too far away from the original. Where Cinderella, I think, was able to fill in a lot more gaps because there were a lot more gaps there. I don't think you have as many Cinderella super fans out there. Maybe yeah, I'm right. wrong. Uh, please tweet at us and and uh, email us and post on our Facebook page and all that stuff. If you are a Cinderella super fan, we would love to hear from you. But I mean, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, they have super fans. Yeah. The nineties kids. I mean, that that's us. I mean, we grew up with those, those movies. So last question for you. What are your top three live action remakes? Mine are Cinderella, Jungle Book, and I actually think Maleficent is a is a top one for me. I I, I truly I, that may be an unpopular opinion, maybe a, a convince me for our listeners or for you, but I those to me are the top three, and I, I think it it goes along the same lines where they really 
adapted the story, not just said, all right, we're taking the same story and doing the same thing, just live action. What about you? Mm. Well, um, it's funny because of the two Maleficents, I prefer Maleficent 2. I didn't, I was not a Maleficent 1 fan. I think with Maleficent number one, again, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth at this point. I think they steered too (laughs) far from the story, trying to make her good, trying to make her, you know, give her a rationale on why she became evil the way she did. Where Maleficent 2, I, again, they called it Mistress of Evil. And again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Maleficent 2, you can turn off the podcast now, but she's not as evil as they make the movie out to be, the trailer out for her to be. But I think Maleficent 2 did a really good job in terms of the backstory. Um, So as far as my top three, um, I, I would say that definitely Cinderella's up there, definitely Jungle Book's up there. I'm with you on that one. And and, and my third one, I, 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 as much as I've criticized it in the episode, I still think Aladdin is my third up there. And it's because I think Will Smith delivers one of the most impressive performances. He was faced with an impossible task oh, to replace absolutely. Robin Williams. And he came out, he, he made it his own. He basically said, look, I'm not Robin Williams. I'm not going to play this like Robin Williams. This is my part. And and I think the Prince Ali song in that particular movie is one of the best renditions. In fact, I almost want to say it beats out Robin Williams. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that. But I think it beats out Robin Williams' <laughs> rendition of Prince Ali. And you know what makes a good movie, in my opinion, um, good or great even, is do you want to download the soundtrack? And I downloaded the Aladdin soundtrack before I even saw the movie and I jammed out to it because it's a great soundtrack. Right. So, you know, it's like the Mary, you talked about Mary Poppins. I downloaded the Mary Poppins return soundtrack because it's a great soundtrack. So yeah, those would be my three. They would be um, again, Cinderella, Aladdin and the jungle book, which was a sleeper hit by the way. Yeah. Jungle book was a big sleeper hit and was really really well, really well done. You know what's really funny? This we've gone almost twenty-eight minutes on this episode. You know what? What what live action we have not even talked about? Which one is Pete, that? Pete's Dragon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, I I haven't even seen the movie, but I've heard nothing but horrible, horrible things about that movie. I'm not a big Pete's Dragon person, <laughs> to be honest with you. Actually, hang on, I'm gonna fact check this. I'm pretty sure. Um, give me a second, listeners. Um, <laughs> Rotten real Tomatoes, time fact, real time fact checking. How much? What? 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 The Rotten Tomatoes review. I, I need to confirm this because I want to say that it was actually. Yeah, it's at an eighty-eight percent. So Are Rotten you Tomatoes. Serious? I am dead uh, serious about that. And wow. so, I mean that that and and that's one of those things where why I say take Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt because both both Casey and I are like, yeah, we we like Pete's Dragon, yeah, but on Rotten Tomatoes it's eighty eight percent higher than Cinderella, so maybe my convince me needs to be that Pete's Dragon is better than Cinderella. I, I'd have to watch it first to be honest with you. I, I mean, I, it's not fair for me to comment because I've not seen it, but I, I just maybe it's because I'm not just compelled to see it. I never saw the original, um, so I don't know anything about the story. I know the previews when they when they broadcast the previews at the Disney store when I was working there several years back, they looked interesting. But I just found it ironic that we went almost 30 minutes without even mentioning the movie as we kind of wind down here. So <laughs> look out for the look out for the Pete's Dragon episode coming in a future uh, <laughs> future podcast. All right. Well, Mr. Matt, as I look at the time, it looks like it's closing time here at the Beers and Ears podcast. Uh, why don't you tell them how we uh, how they can get a hold of us? 
Absolutely. Our email is beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know if you agree, disagree. If you've got an episode idea, if you just want to say hi to us, uh, check in, you know, how we're doing. Please, absolutely. And then Twitter and Instagram, we are beersears1928. We'll put out some content, uh, some supplementary content. If we reference a picture, an article, or a product or something like that, we'll try to post that out for you to be able to see that. And then we also have a Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. If you want to join up, it's public group more than happy to come in um, it's a great way to get when episodes release you get the direct links and also any other fun stuff that we we like to do i like to think we're somewhat interesting people that we have interesting <laughs> things going on <laughs> um and and i know we said this at the beginning and we're going to keep saying it but thank you thank you thank you everybody this has been so much fun to do and it's fun that other people are listening to the fun that we're having yeah, I agree. All right. With that being said, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today for today's Convince Me episode. Matt, you were successful at convincing me. Um, we will talk to you all next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you, everybody.